Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. Would you go to the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6, please? The reading is more lengthy than usual, but it is the word of the Lord for today. Nehemiah chapter 6, I want to speak to you in continuing the context of the coming of the Lord. And uh, in chapter 6 of Nehemiah, we read about a conspiracy against Nehemiah that would distract him from completing the building of the walls of Jerusalem and the hanging of the gates. Jerusalem was desolate for 70 years because the people of God was taken into captivity. By first King Nebuchadnezzar and those who succeeded him, they were to be gone for 70 years. And then God spoke to the king's heart, the then reigning king, whom Nebuchadnezzar passed his throne on to, etc. But Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. In other words, before the king would take a drink of anything, Nehemiah had to be sure that it was not containing anything that was harmful to the king. And then he made sure that the ingredients was it should be. But God spoke to him. He got word that the walls of the city of God were torn down. The temple needed to be rebuilt and the gates were not hung. And the, the, the place where the glory of God once was is no longer serving that purpose because of the desolation. Chapter 6, if you will, verses 1 through 14, and it reads as follows. That happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors of the gate, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. I underlined the next phrase in my Bible, but they thought to do me harm. I mean, that's the devil's plan. Verse 3, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. I got this underlined in red. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. It was written in this open letter. It is reported among the nations and Geshem says... That you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also proclaimed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. To which Nehemiah responded in verse 8. Then I sent to him, saying, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid. They were saying, their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. That's building the walls. Now this is how I've prayed before and perhaps you, you have too. Now therefore, oh God, strengthen my hands. Can I get a witness? Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Matilabib. Why, why, why couldn't they name their boys Tom, Jerry, and Jim? He was a secret informer and he said, Let us meet at the temple 
And let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. Nehemiah speaking, he said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that the, he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. Hired preacher. For this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act that way and sin so that they might have cause for an evil report that they may or might reproach me. And here's his prayer in verse 14. It'll be the final of our text. My God, remember Tobiah and Sambalat according to these, their works, and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets. Who would have made me afraid? Point your hands my way. Repeat after me, Lord, help the servant of God to rightly divide the word of God. Amen. Be seated in his presence. Weapons of mass distraction is a theme for the day. Weapons of mass distraction. Now, you are going to face some of those weapons in the course of our time together while I preach. Because it's hard to remain focused in such a busy world. Life, for many people, including myself, consists of rabbit trails than highways. You and I are always on the move, and sometimes it's like getting on a merry-go-round. You know, grandkids now, you get on these merry-go-rounds, and they got these nice horses, and and beautifully designed, and, and they go up and down while the merry go round. You get on right here, and you get on, and you go up and down and around and around. About three minutes, you get off right where you began. Ain't been nowhere. And in about five minutes, the thrill is gone. Sometimes life is like that. You might write this down if you're prone to taking notes. You might act like you're writing down if you want to impress the preacher. And... Here, here's what you, you need. The distractions of life often dictate their decisions, our decisions, and control our schedules. Say it again. The distractions of our lives often dictate our decisions and control our schedules. We make a lot of plans, but sometimes very little get done. I start every day with a to-do list. Every day. I, at the end of the day, I see if I've had it all done. Most of the times I haven't. Because of life. The phone rings. We need something at the store. We want to check our email. And getting on the email, we get caught up in the internet. And getting caught up on the internet, we're following a story on the internet. Or we're looking up something. Or we're blogging. Or reading somebody else's blog. And you're checking the weather. And just catching up with the news. Life does that. Distractions. The kids need to be dropped off somewhere. And unfortunately, they need to be picked back up and brought home. Just a little joke, okay? Uh, something needs to be cleaned or repaired at your house. You're like me. I, I quit buying books now because I got so many a, a stack that I haven't read yet. Note this, if you will. The problem is that it all seems important or at least necessary. Our lives are filled with the urgent, so filled with the urgent that oftentimes we don't have time for the eternal. I, I said a lot right there. Let me clarify. We have tended to a million little things and left undone the big things. That's why some of the chairs are empty in this service. 
Because people are distracted attending to the so-called urgent without taking care of the necessary. Attending the little things when the bigger picture says that these are the last days. And we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, the man of some is. But even more, the more we should be together to be edified and edify one another. We have filled the day with things that do not ultimately matter and left undone the things that do matter. We have done what seemed necessary and neglected what is essential. And therefore days turn into months and months turn into years. And our lives become trivialized by distractions. Let's define distraction. Distraction is something that makes it difficult to think or pay attention. Uh, distraction is a, a state in which you are very annoyed or angry. And as I continue to preach, you will be distracted. You know, uh, I, I like football. I, I like football. I uh, love to watch football. I love college football and love professional ball. And so when I go home today, my most favorite time of the week, Charles, is after I go home from church. And Valerie knows I don't even want to go out and eat. I just want to go home. Change into some relaxing clothes and lay on the couch and watch football. Amen. If football is not going on, then I watch golf because I can fall asleep faster with golf. You know not. Okay. And, and so uh, I, I'm watching these games, and in the stand uh, on the marquee or the digital board, when uh, the home team wants to off or distract the visiting team, they have on the lights, make some noise, make some noise, make some noise. You ever see that? Uh, you see the fans, because they're hoping to distract the quarterback or the running back or somebody else if they make enough noise so that they can get the edge on things. And, yeah, and it does work, right? You know what else that doesn't work? is when them, those same people who came from the ball game Saturday come to church on Sunday and they don't make no noise. Just thought I'd throw that in. They're sitting there like, I done, done paid my ticket for Disney World. Go ahead and entertain me, Mickey. My name ain't Mickey and this ain't Disney World. Just a thought, just a thought, just a thought. I know you, I went away a little bit and you thought I got me. Now I just want you to know the same pastor has come back. A state in which you get very annoyed or upset. And, and I tell you that to say to you that this is what's going on with Nehemiah's enemies. Their intent is to annoy him. Okay, so you got you got several characters in this picture. Nehemiah has come back. He's gotten favor with the king. And the king, uh, he was a cupbearer to the king. And the king saw his countenance one day. And his countenance was not pleasant. The king said, what's going on, Nehemiah? And because of the relationship, Nehemiah says, I've got bad news from, uh, from Jerusalem and my homeland. And the gates of the city is torn down and burned down. And the walls have collapsed. And over 70 years, it's in disrepair. And king, I'd like, I'd like to go back and help rebuild the wall. And king loved him so much, he said, I'll give you the materials, I'll give you the supply, I'll give you letters to travel to where you need and go on and do it. He gets back there, matter of a few days, he starts building the wall and the people rally with him. And what should have taken another two years or maybe three years of manual labor, they're able to do in 52 days 
Because he's got a vision from God. Can I get an amen? He's got the favor of God. His focus is build the walls, hang the gates, then restore the city and build back the city and build back the house of God so the glory of God can once more be the centrality of our people and the center focus of our individual lives. Because if God is at the center of our lives, all the other things are going to come together. Can I get an amen? Well, we've got some, some guys, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, who doesn't want Nehemiah to rebuild the walls because it will be against them financially. It, they're not going to be able to collect the king's money without sending a proper receipt. And, and therefore, they're going to lose out financially and they're going to lose out among the influence of the people that they've been hoodwinking for all these years. Because not everybody was taken captive to Babylon. Okay? So, so they come against him. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. And they start these rumors. All right, so let me show you the distracting uh, uh, plot they had. Danger. That Nehemiah faced. Number one, it's, it's found in the first four verses. It was a plot to kidnap him or murder him. Okay? The enemies were desperate. They, they, they were holding out for hope that the wall would stop being built and the gates would not be hung. So the enemy sent him a letter four different times. Come, let's go out of the city. Let's go through the plain of Ono. It's about a day's journey from the city. And let's go have a political conference. We realize, Nehemiah, that we can't stop you. The walls are built. The gates built. And, and we realize that we're going to have to live together. So come, let's talk about it. Nehemiah says, I cannot come and I will not come because I am doing a great work. <laughs> wow. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Let me tell you this. If you're trying to build a godly home, you are doing a great work. And the devil does not want you to complete it. If you're just trying to serve God in a world full of sexual allure and, and immorality and politically correct stuff, if you're just trying to live for God and read your Bible and pray, you don't have to have credentials as a minister. You are doing a great work and you need to tell the devil, I'm not coming down and being distracted by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I am doing a great work. If you're trying to build a marriage, you're doing a great work. You don't have to be an NFL star or NBA star or a president or a pope or a queen or a king if you are serving God and just trying to make your way from earth to glory. You are doing a great work. Don't compromise. Somebody give a Lord a praise. They thought they'd get Nehemiah to come out and they thought they would do him harm. Let me give you another, another plan for their distraction. It was a plot to malign him. Verses 5 through 9. The word malign means causing or intending to cause harm. So, four times they write, he doesn't come. The fifth time they send an open letter. The difference from the regular letter, it was from Charles to Alan, it was personal. And only I could open it. But this letter that they wrote was an open letter where everybody in the city would hear it. They would have a town cry who would read this letter accusing Nehemiah. It's like posting something on the, on the internet that shouldn't be there. Can I get a witness? That was meant to be private. Oh, I can get into your stuff now if you don't help me out. And in that letter, they said to Nehemiah, we heard that you are building your name and your reputation. You're building the wall and the gates because you want to be king and you got some prophets. You're saying prophets say that you're going to be the king and we're going to report you to the real king unless you come out here and meet us. And what they were hoping was that him coming out there, traveling a day's journey 
from Jerusalem to the plain of Ono that they might assassinate him or he will be for some accident and he'll die and they'll get rid of him and the wall will not be completed. Do you know the devil's job is to malign you? He intends, let me tell you something, the devil has no good plans for your life. Jesus said it in John 10 and 10. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life. Oh, my God. And have it more abundantly. Let, let me show you the third thing about this distracting danger that Nehemiah faced. He, he, he faced the plot to discredit him. There's this man of God whose name is Shemaiah. Shemaiah is the priest of the temple. He is unable to go to Nehemiah's place of dwelling. So he has Nehemiah come to him. And he says to Nehemiah, let's go to the temple of God. Because Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they're going to kill you. Let's go in the temple and you'll be safe because they're going to kill you tonight. And God gave Nehemiah discernment. When the devil shows up to tempt you, God will give you discernment. None of of us are ever going to be so tempted where God will not make a way of escape that we might be able to bear it. Come to find out, Shemaiah was paid by Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Paid to get the man, uh, Nehemiah, into the temple. But you need to understand Old Testament law to understand why he could not go into the temple. There are certain places the regular people can go in the outer court, but only the priests are allowed in certain parts of the temple. And that would be the holy place and the most holy place. Because if you enter there without blood sacrifice and without cleansing and washing, you have blasphemed and you have made yourself a reproach. And so the intent was, well, we can't kill him, but we'll assassinate his character. And we'll do him discredit, we'll do him discredit by telling the people because he went to hide in the temple where he shouldn't have been, that he's blasphemed the temple, and then the people will rise up in arms against him. Let me tell you something. You don't have to put arsenic in somebody's drink to kill him. Oh, I'm a preaching little Indian. We got email. We got internet. We got text messages. And you can kill people by what you say about them. If you don't have the facts, I can kill them or they can kill us, our character, and ruin us. Because I'm here to tell you, unless you have the facts, I think it'd do us best to just pray for somebody and love somebody and forgive somebody. Least we be a part of a bunch of nonsense that distracts us from what God has called us to. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Hey, let me me tell you. I face it all the time as a pastor. I'm just going to be very transparent with you, okay? I face it all the time as a pastor. I can't please everybody. You know? I, I mean, I'm too loud. I'm not loud enough. I'm too short. Got no hair. Uh, I, 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 the, the place is too cool. I didn't get my parking place. You'd be amazed at the kind of complaints you get over, over 30 years. You'd be amazed at people. They don't like me, but they keep coming to church all the time. You know? They can't stand me, but it's just like they want to be a thorn in my flesh. And when I meet those kind of people, you know, for example, like this person right here, I just go right in their face. Oh, I was just using for example. You okay? Uh, let me let me show, put the next slide up. Let, let, let me show you where I'm going. 
Uh, here, here's, here's some distractions, you and I. Three distractions, but I won't get to all of them, that you and I got to deal with every day. Self-distractions. Some distractions can be deadly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen. amen. When I, when I uh, uh, rented the car and got in the car in Virginia and then headed from Virginia to Maryland, both states have a state law that you see at the state line. And you see it throughout the state on the major highways. No texting, no handheld cell phone. You can only use your cell phone if you have Bluetooth or you have, uh, you know, whatever Bluetooth connection. Because we all know that the slightest distraction while driving an automobile at 65 miles an hour or 35 miles an hour can lead to a terrible accident that can even lead to death. Can I get an amen? It's a good law. I need that law. I, need, I don't need to be texting and I don't need to be even talking while, while I'm driving because I'm easily distracted. Some distractions can be deadly. And I'm saying, oh, let, 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 me just give you, let me just give you references from the Bible here very quickly. You know the story of Samson and Delilah. You know that Samson was anointed by God to be a man of God before he even grew up into young manhood. He was told by his parents how God had visited them and blessed them in their union for he to become a man of God. And he was supposed to be a Nazarite and to keep certain vows. And you know about Samson. So he was an ordinary statued man, not with bulging biceps and, in a, and a six-pack stomach and, you know, working out. He was anointed of God to defeat the enemies of God. And when the anointing would come on him, he would receive superhuman strength that he could pick up the gate of a city that weighed 1,000 pounds and cast it aside. He was anointed of God, especially the major enemies of the people of God, when Samson lived, were the Philistines. He took the jawbone of a donkey, the skeleton of a donkey and the jawbone, and beat 1,000 men to death. He, he, was, he was so anointed of God, he, with his own hands, a lion came after him, and he ripped the mouth of the lion and destroyed the animal. But here's the problem. He got distracted. He was a he-man with a she-problem. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's still here. Still in the world. He man with she problem and women with he problem. So instead of fighting the enemy, he was flirting with the enemy. And when you flirt with sin, guess who wins? See, he got it. Y'all didn't get it, but he got it. You can't play with fire and not be burned. And here's a man... That her ultimate goal is, oh, she's thinking, I love you, and stroking his hair, because you know the length of his hair was a symbol of his strength, and if he ever shaved his head, he would lose his strength. And he was just playing with that game until they finally got him, they gouged out his eyes, and he died in the midst of his distraction. Let me show you something else. David, King David, mighty King David. All, all the way from the youth, God blessed him. He killed a lion, he killed a bear, he killed Goliath, and he kept being elevated until he became king of Israel. He had wives, plural. A harem. He had soldiers and he had food and he had a livestock and land and gold and silver. He was at the height of his reign. When he became distracted while on the rooftop of his palace, as the evening began to come in, he saw a woman several rooftops away taking a bath. He inquired who she was and was informed that she is off limits 
because her husband is serving in your army. He played with his power. Had her come in, they were intimate, and out of that came a pregnancy. In order to cover up the pregnancy as not being here, being the father, he had the father killed. He lied, and for one year, he went around like me and God, got our own thing going since I'm the king now. And, and anybody out there hearing me? Our flesh, somebody else's property, our carnality can distract us, and we can even lose our soul. The baby was born dead. Nathan, the man of God, showed up at the palace and said, What you hid from God, God has revealed to me. You the man. And though God forgave him, there were consequences all throughout his dynasty. Let me, let me, let me show you something very quick. Ananias and Sapphira. They were churchgoers. See, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Barnabas was a churchgoer. It's in the book of Acts. Chapter 5, Barnabas is known as a son of encouragement. He sold some property and gave the profit from the property to the church to help the widows and orphans and the needy. Well, the church applauded that. He wasn't after their applause, but they were so impressed, they, they said, thank you, Barnabas, so, way to go. Well, Ananias and Sapphira, they saw the kind of uh, elation and uh, uh, they saw the kind of uh, appreciation and, and uh, uh, built up that Barnabas gave from giving that kind of money he got. For the people, although he wasn't seeking that. So they sold some property. They gave money to the church. And they made it appear that they did what Barnabas did by giving all the money. Okay? So they sold it. They gave some to the church. And they kept the rest. And when confronted about coming to church, confronted, the husband came first. And Peter uh, says, uh, tell me, Ananias, did you give all of the funds to the work of the Lord, he said yes. And he dropped dead right there. Dropped dead right there. Some of the servants of, the, uh, of Peter and those in the temple, or wherever they were worshipping, took him and buried him. Three hours later, Sister Sapphira comes up. You know, the modern day Elvira. I thought you were late. Uh, Sister Sapphira. Uh, she's looking for Brother Ananias. His body's cold now. And Sister Sapphira shows up, and, and Peter said, well, let me try this. I'm going to ask Sister Sapphira, you all sold some land. You give some, them all the money to the church? Yes, you did, Pastor Peter. Boom. She's dead. She's dead. Now, let me tell you, aren't you glad God don't judge us that way anymore? Because, who? Distraction of fame. You know, if what, that would have happened in South Metro Ministry one Sunday... We'd pay off the budget the next Sunday. God started killing people who say they're tied and they don't tithe. They tip God. Oh, I'm preaching now, y'all. I'm back. I just want you to know I'm back. Throw in God a little $5 and go to the restaurant and spend 50 bucks and talk about tithing to God. If God did that one Sunday in churches in America, we'd be debt free. But, I, but I'm glad. I'm glad He's a God of grace. Let me put the next slide up. I, I, want, I, want, I want to move on and tell you that not only are people, uh, we are our own selves distraction, but people are distracting to us. No wonder Peter says, and this you can write for further reference. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober. Watch out for yourself, watch out for people and things. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil ain't no friend of yours. And the devil and people that you're with ain't no friend of yours. 
Uh, let, let me show you about people distractions. In any crowd, there's always going to be some for you and some who want to see you fall. Oh, yeah. Some of the very people who you think are cheering you on can't hardly wait to get your place. I, I, I'm just giving you that FYI, okay? Now, everybody is, is there to applaud your success. So, next thing is, be very careful then, if that's the case. Next bullet, if you will. There are going to be some encouragers, and then there are going to be some doomsayers in your life. They go, the doomsayers are the distractors. Because they didn't get to be where you are, or they think you just bought your way there, or they think because your family tree, you got what you did, you could maybe drive in a nicer car, or live in a nicer house, or have a little better job, instead of cheering you on, and they're earning their way like you earned your way, they're always going to be those who kind of blab and complain and gripe about where you are, and if you focus on them, you're going to be distracted, and you're going to miss the will of God. Anybody there to help me? Why are you going to church? Why, why, you work all week. Why are you giving your tithes and offerings? Why are you serving in the ministry? I mean, you, you deserve a break. You, you, like, like some of you are doing right now on the internet. You need to be here in this church, right here, sitting down. Right in front of my face, yeah. But, but you, you're not, because you, you're taking a day off with Jesus. Day off with Jesus. I ought to slap you. Uh, anyhow, uh, Charles? Okay. Charles didn't do it. He said he's here. Anybody? That starts pulling you down spiritually is a distraction. Let, 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 me, let me put the next one up here. You are who you hang with. Association with the wrong people. You either, the people around you are either going to add to you or take from you. There are just some people you need to say goodbye to. It's been good, but it ain't been that good. Next slide. Help me, Jesus. Here's... Skip this whole section. Take me, to the, take me to the section that talks about how to deal with it. Thank you, media people. Let me, I don't have time enough to tell you how to deal with distractions. What did Nehemiah do? How do you do? Number one, Nehemiah, in spite of the distraction of attempted assassination, maligning his character, trying to get him off the wall so he won't do the work of the Lord, he just kept right on working. Can I get an Amen. You need to keep right on serving God anyhow. Reading your Bible anyhow. Praying. And can somebody say it? Praise the Lord. You need to keep right on forgiving anyhow. And if they don't ask you an apology, just love them and go on. It, can I get an amen? You just need to let some stuff go, okay? Because it's dragging you down. You're staying up night. You're having to take something to go to sleep and something to get up because of somebody else done somebody wrong song. Anybody hearing me here? You, you need to let it go. Everybody say, let it go. Let it go. Yeah, for goodness sakes. It's been ten years. When I came to pastor here 30 years ago, I had all my hair and I... <laughs> I just let it go. Okay. Just keep. If God has called you to do something, He'll empower you to do it. If God has called you to build a godly life, every year you start off, I'm going to read the Bible more this year. I'm going to pray more this year. I'm going to witness. I'm going to serve in the church. And years have gone by and you've been so distracted with the good that you've neglected the best. Do you know there's another category from good to best? I learned it this week from one of our peers in the cohort. Sometimes you've got to let the good go and the best go because sometimes you've got to choose the critical. 
the critical. It's critical for your spiritual survival that you spend time with God every day. Come to the music, if you will. It's critical for you to, to know how to turn off that TV and turn off that video or turn off that Internet if it leads you into an area where you're going to be tempted and, and you are going to fall. You are not near as strong as you think you are by yourself. Somebody help me preach here. you got to choose not the good and the best, but the critical. It's critical for you that you come into the house of God with thanksgiving and with praise. And whether you feel God or not, or you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's critical for you to praise God anyhow, because God dwells in the sacrifice of praise. Just keep on keeping on. And I'm going to close with this. Your priorities. Nehemiah's priorities were right. There are four more other thoughts, but I'm going to close with this one. God sent him to build a wall, hang the gates, restore the glory of God. God would restore the glory if he would, pro- he would provide Nehemiah and his team the construction and the hanging of the gates. Musicians, come if you will. Here's God's, here's God's word for you and I this morning. Keep your priorities, God. It's not God when I need you only. It's God when it's good and God when it's not good. I'm not going to cuss and backslide and sin just because I prayed yesterday and you didn't answer my prayer today. My priority is to leave this world one day and make it up on the streets of gold and to hear him say, well done. Now, now let, me, let me tell you something. This is where I'm going to mess with you. While in Virginia... The United States Supreme Court of America gave liberty to numerous other states. Up to 30 states now in America have legalized same-sex marriage. That is not a priority of the church or the kingdom. I want, I want to go on record and tell you that there's coming a day when I, when I say that, it's going to be hate speech, etc. But this pastor, whose name is Alan Matura, who pastors South Metro Ministry, will never adopt that agenda of a man marrying a man and a woman marrying a woman. Never. If I got to go to jail, if I got to, I will not quit preaching. But there are some priorities that is clear. And when God calls it sin and abomination, and he calls it, he judged the whole tribe of Israel and burned up two cities. If God's priority is not kept, he's going to judge every one of us. So I just want you to know, I'm not here to slam the homosexuals. And I'm not homophobic. I'm just here to tell you. That if you come here and you're homosexual or adulterer or fornicator or wife beater or whatever, but you're looking for Jesus, you're welcome here. But if you come here looking to change the culture of this church by bringing in your junk and trying to get us politically correct, you might as well hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back until you pray through. Okay? Because my priority is not Republican, it's not Democrat, it's not liberal, it's not Tea Party, it ain't even the Tupperware Party. So I just want to go on record. You can call me bigot, narrow-minded, and you can go find you another place because I am, and God bless you as you go. I don't want you to go. I want you to stay because I want you to understand that anybody who lives in sin, knowing what is wrong and continue to do it, 
repeatedly over and over again, if you keep on sinning, you will not make heaven your home. My job is not to build a mega church. My job is not to soothe you and stroke you and make you feel good and, and, and look out for offended. My job is to get you to glory where the Father will have for you a crown of righteousness that does not fade away. Stand up to your feet and give the Lord some thanks in this house with me. Come on. Put your hands together. I praise your Lord. Come on, everybody. Everybody. Praise the Lord. Everybody. Praise the Lord. My Lord, come on, come on, give him some thanks. Now, listen to me. I alone don't have that job of parties you do too. It's time for you to come out from the closet and declare on whose side you belong. I don't mean to get people's face and harass them and all. It's time for you to stand up for what is right. You've got circles of influence I don't have. You need to stand up for God. What happens to us is this kind of sin gets in our families and all of a sudden it's okay. I'm telling you the truth whether you like it or not. Our kids start messing up and all of a sudden because it's our kids, God's changed his mind. No, God ain't changed his mind. And I'm telling you this morning that there are distractions that are deadly. And most of it is in the church. Well, let me back up. Much of it is just like the world. And you and I got to make up our mind today what our priority is. Because the coming of the Lord is even at the door. And I'm calling on everybody, including and especially the man who's talking, to do right now a reevaluation of your priorities. When's the last time you prayed just because you wanted to? When's the last time you read the Bible just because you wanted to? When's the last time you gave without being grudgingly? When's the last time you forgave? It's me too. It's me. You say, Pastor, I need to rearrange some priorities this morning because I've been distracted and it's killing me. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to step right out. Come on, in Jesus' name. Join me at this altar. I don't care if you've been saved 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, you're an elder, a staff member. I don't care if you're a member or not. If you, I got, I, I come in, when you come, I want you to come and begin to tell God what you're going to leave right here in this altar. In Jesus' name. In Jesus, I, I'm waiting for you. <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of in a dilemma right now. I, I have mixed emotions. You got several hundred people here and I got about less than 2% of you in the altar. And I know you're junk. I pastor you. So I'm just going to let you have it and tell you that I don't preach like this because I want you to clap me and make me happy. I want you to be changed. So you need to be using those legs and coming to the altar because I may die tomorrow and you may still be here and your junk's going to kill you. So I'm going to give you ten more seconds and then I'm going to pray for those who's come. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate. I'm waiting for you. You don't have to shake my hand. You don't have to, but you need to bring your distractions and give them to the Lord and say, God, if my husband don't walk down this aisle with me, I don't, I don't care what the person you brought to church thinks about you. I care what God thinks about you. Keep coming. I think you got the message. Keep coming. Once you get here, raise up your hands and leave it with Jesus. Come on. Once you get here, either kneel or raise. I, I ain't here to embarrass you. You need to keep coming. And the ten seconds are up. Everybody else in this church, raise up your hands to the Lord. Come on, I, be, I want you to pray out loud to your, to, so you can hear yourself and say, God, i got to get my priorities right. I'm not mad at you, church. I'm just trying to shake you up. God, I've been distracted by my flesh. 
my appetite. I've been distracted by things. I've been distracted by my ego. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I have taken you conveniently off of the throne of my heart. And I put something else in its place. And I ask you to forgive us. Come on, come on, come on. Say it to the Lord. Whether you are in the chair or in the altar. Come on, I need to hear you pray with a little more passion. I need, you to, I need you to say, God, change me. God, bring revival to me. Come on. I need you to pray for you right now. Say, God, I got all this baggage. God, I confess for Alan Matura. I need to choose not the good, not the best. I need to choose the critical. We're running out of time. Oh, God, our sons and daughters that are lost, some are still lost. Oh, God, uh, 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 addiction and habits that we're supposed to be delivered from, we still go back to every once in a while, and every once in a while it kills us. Oh, God, I ask you today that we'll stay on the wall and we'll build until one day we'll hear you say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, I want the prayer team. I want the, I, I, I want the staff. I want, I want to pray for everybody in this altar. I'm going to come touch you in Jesus' name. And I won't, I won't have a combat. I'm going to anoint my hands at all and every one of you in this altar. I'm going to pray for you in Jesus' name. And the rest of you just worship God. And if you've got to leave, then so be it. But I'm not going to break this flow. I've asked you to come and you've come. Brother Sammy, get your team and let him go ahead of me and anoint the people with oil. Just give every one of your team members some oil and they're going to come touch you. And then I'm going to come sing, my brother. And everybody else, lift up your hands to God for another 30 minutes or, pardon me, 30 seconds or a minute. 30 seconds for a minute. I just praise Him. Come on. Right where you are. Oh, in the name of Jesus. My God. My God. My God. My God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Father, I bless you. Go ahead and praise Him now. Praise Him in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Father, every distraction I leave right here. Every distraction. Go ahead and praise Him. After I've touched you, let the Lord touch you. Lord, every distraction in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Go ahead. Lift those hands. Keep those hands up. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Oh, God, bring it to the Lord. Bring bring it, bring it, bring it. Sing it. Sing it with them. If that's all you can do, is just in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Go ahead. Father, I believe you're my God. I believe that you are my God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.